2 Samuel chapter number 16, verse number 5. When King David came to Bahurim, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. And as he came, he cursed David continually. He threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And Shimei said as he cursed, Get out! Get out, you man of blood, you worthless man! The Lord has avenged on you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned, and the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of blood. Then Abishai, the son of Zariah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and take off his head. Not so subtle, right? But the king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zariah? If he is cursing, because the Lord has said to him, Curse David, who then shall say, Why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjaminite leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me, and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. So David and his men went on the road, while Shimei went along on the hillside opposite him, and cursed as he went, and threw stones at him, and flung dust. And the king and all the people who were with him arrived weary at the Jordan. And there he refreshed himself. I want to talk to you about two opposing forces that are at work in our culture. And because they're at work in our culture, and when I say culture, not just them out there, but you, where you go, where you live, where you're pursuing the Lord. These forces are in, a, in, in an intense swirl in our culture. My, my best guess is that it's only going to intensify the closer we approach the second coming of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I believe we will see these two forces grow in opposition to each other. What am I talking about? I'm talking about humility and offense. The spirit of offense is probably one of the most predominant spirits, and I mean that in the, in the sense of not only what the enemy demonically is facilitating, but a human spirit being characterized by a perpetual state of offense. We live in the most offended generation that I believe in my almost 50 years has, has ever uh, predominated the landscape. The worst thing you can do now in America is to offend somebody. And you know what a problem it is? Because everybody's already pre-offended. They're already offended, and all you've got to do is stick a baby toe into the area of their offense, and they're going to let you know how you've just offended them. And I'm saying they, but I'm, I'm also saying this. I can be that way if I choose to be. I can live in offense. You know why? Because all you need to be qualified for being offended is for somebody somewhere at some point to have done you wrong. 
and you can claim the flag of offense and stretch it out to where it's a life-size banner that flaps over you wherever you go. Let's everybody know, hey, be careful what you say, be careful what you think. Be careful how you act around me because you don't want to offend me. What's the opposite of that, a spirit of offense? Well, there may be many things, but in the life of David, in this passage of Scripture, we're going to see that the virtue that you, want to, you and I want to pursue in a culture that is offended, we want to pursue humility. That means we may very well be offended at something in our lives right now. We may be offended with someone. There may be a clear recognition of offensive things that are going on. And it can be out there, but the danger is that when it gets in here. You see, offense, the seed of offense, when it's planted in the heart, becomes the weed of offense. And the writer of Hebrews says, through that bitterness, many live defiled. They live in a perpetual state of spiritual defilement because they get amnesia about all the offenses they've committed against the highest holy throne in the universe and have been forgiven through the blood of the one that sits on that throne. They forget that. They forget how God has cleared them of their grievances and freed them from their transgressions and pronounced justified against them, even though they have committed things that they are surely guilty of. God has given grace. Jesus came in humility, provided the sacrifice to pay for their offenses, and then they step out of that moment of recognizing how gloriously good they have it because they're forgiven and graced and objects of mercy and compassion from God, and they step out of that, and they find someone on a lesser level offends them, and they live with a grievance. So King David helps me today, and he is, in this passage, kind of set in contrast against what I believe, I preach the, this passage maybe more than any other Old Testament passage uh, that could be preached. I think I've probably preached this passage in almost 25 years of preaching at least seven or eight times. And so it is particularly helpful in the day in which we're living now. So let me take a little time with it this morning. I want to start, and I just want to focus on what's happening in the life of David, and we're going to see the derision the derision of David by this tactless man named Shimei. Look at his words in verse number five. It says, when King David came to Bahurim, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, the previous king. This man's name was Shimei. He was the son of Gera. And as he came, he's cursing David continually. He is with his mouth launching arrows at David and what we didn't read was the context for which all, in which all of this is happening. You see David is years away from having sinned with Bathsheba, killing her husband by sending him to the front line of a heated battle by which he was killed and then taking Uriah's husband, wife Bathsheba as his own wife. David was exposed for that sin, confessed that sin, eventually repented of that sin and was restored by God from that sin. But God did tell him, David, you have opened the door to something in your life and there's going to be trouble in your family the rest of your days because of the nature of this sin. So that trouble showed up hard and heavy in the form of David's son whose name was Absalom. And Absalom 
had it in his heart that he wanted to be the king. And so he began politicking in the city gate. He began schmoozing the people. He began to kind of manipulate the situation, making himself great to the people. And when the time came, when David's fame was at a standstill, Absalom's fame was growing, and Absalom seized that moment and began to go after the throne of David. So in this passage of Scripture, David is actually fleeing for his life. He's left the throne, he's left the palace, he's left with a contingent of his closest advisors and their families, and he's moving out of Jerusalem so that Absalom and Absalom's following do not kill David. And this is the moment where Shimei, the moment he's been waiting for for a long time, Shimei steps onto the scene as David and a couple of hundred people are leaving Jerusalem, fleeing for their lives. Shimei is going to take opportunity to kind of vomit out everything that's been in his bitter heart for a long time. And so the words were inflamed. I want you to picture it. Obviously, I don't want you to think on actual four-letter words. But he's not only using foul language to curse David, but he's pronouncing the curses of God on David. So Shimei, in his flesh, takes it upon himself to stand up as the representative of God in that moment and pronounce curses upon King David. By the way, verse 6, the words were public. This was not a private confrontation. The Bible says he threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand, David's right hand, and on David's left hand. So I want you to get this, the sting of this. If you've never been slandered, this may be hard for you to grapple with. Most of us have been talked about, but if you've never been publicly shamed, if nobody's ever face-hooked you online or, you know, Twitter-bombed you or insta-doomed you or anything like that, you may not get the grip of this, but this was public. And David is the king. He's the appointed king. He is fleeing for his life, but he's with all of his mighty men, and everybody in that group is hearing this man Shimei, this despicable, bitter relative of Saul, coming out and pronouncing curses on King David and the depth of that kind of treatment from somebody you can be the most stout-hearted Christian in the room when you are publicly slammed, slandered and defamed when you are talked about in a way that has tiny bits of truth attached to it but the slanderer is taking those truths and pumping them full of some pretty toxic stuff and then throwing them on you there's very th few things that hurt like that I'd like to go back in history and find the person that wrote, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I'd like to counsel him and her, yet yeah, don't actually write that because it's patently untrue. Uh, some of us have been in fights and experienced physical pain through those things, and we've forgotten them. But man, those words that were spoken over us as arrows shot to the heart, those things tend to, tend to linger with us. And so David was being publicly shamed with inflamed words from Shimei. By the way, verse number seven, a little further, the words, the nature of these words is that they were filled with absolute rejection. Shimei said as he cursed. So he's cursing, then he's narrating, then he's cursing, then he's narrating. And so here's the summary of what he's saying. He's saying, get out! Get out, you bloody man, you worthless man! So he's calling into question David's character He's rehearsing David's um, uh, kind of 
identity as a man of war. David was a bloody man, and most of that blood that was shed, from what we can tell outside of Uriah the Hittite, was shed in a way that God had approved of because David was fighting off the enemies of Israel. But here's Shimei saying, get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. In other words, interpreted in our language, we reject you. God has rejected you. Your sins have come back to haunt you. Get out of here, you man of bloodshed. Uh, words that reject, words that pierce, words that are 100% intentional in the desire to cause pain to David, and it's happening in the midst of everybody, and Shimei is not about to shut up. Finally, it comes down to this issue of accusation. Look in verse number 8. This is where Shimei brings out his, his most heavy-duty weapon because he invokes the name of David's God. He literally hijacks the name of God as if God was in favor of what Shimei was saying. Look what he says. He says, The Lord has avenged on you all of the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. See, David, your evil is now on you. You are a violent man. You see, what's sad is Shimei had some historical facts, but he does what a lot of us do. When we are opposed or when we are bitter or when we are uh, struggling with um, some heart weeds, towards a person or a people group. And we, we, we hear the narrative, we hear the words, we sense offense, we've been wronged, we've been done this way. Let me tell you where Shimei went with that. He took some, some factual things, intermingled them with some things that weren't factual, created his own narrative, and had rehearsed it so often in his own bitter heart that when he said it, it felt like the gospel coming out of him because he had been preaching to himself the wrongness of David being king, because he's a relative of King Saul. Saul died an inglorious death. David became the king in his place. All the, the tribe of Benjamin had favor when Saul from their tribe was on the throne. David's from a different tribe. So um, Shimei is wrestling with this bitterness that his family is no longer the top tribe in Israel when it comes to royalty. David's family is. His kinsman Saul was murdered and died in shame. Excuse me, he committed suicide and died in shame on the battlefield. And so Shimei is actually blaming David for all of that. There was not a man in the kingdom that treated Saul better than King David. King David spared Saul's life while Saul unjustly hunted to murder David. King David defended Saul. King David wept over the death of Saul and his son Jonathan and wept over the death and, and brought justice to those that killed two of Saul's other sons. David had been upright with Saul, but here the accusation is as if David had plotted to bring murder unto King Saul. How does that happen? It happens because bitterness distorts reality. When and if we live with any tolerance of bitterness in our heart, we hear things and see things differently than they actually are. And so we interpret the world around us through a jaundiced lens of bitterness, 
and everything seems a little bit blanched. It's just not right. And so what's in the heart manifests out of the mouth. It was true in David's day, and Jesus uh, formulated that truth into a statement that whatever proceeds out of the mouth, it's because that's what the contents of the heart is. And so what was in Shimei's heart? Inflamed, bitter, angry, vengeful words. He says, God's doing this to you, David. That's, that's a blessing. That's awesome. When you're going through literally one of the worst moments in your life, and some, some pseudo-representative God steps in and says, by the way, as you're struggling and suffering, I'd like to take a moment to kick you while you're down, and let me tell you, God's doing all this because of something you did. That'll bless you. And unfortunately, Shimei wasn't the only one, nor was he the last one that ever took that kind of posture. Well, let's go a little further because I'm already a little nauseous about talking about Shimei for you know, 15 minutes. Let's go a little bit further. And let's see what, what David does. This is moving from David's derision to David's decision. As a trusting man, David had to trust God. And I'm going to show you how hard this was for David. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to be hard for you and me too when it's our time to trust God when we're the target of somebody's verbal arrows. Verse number nine at the beginning of it, we're going to find out that David had somebody encouraging him to get even. This guy's name is Abishai, or Abishai. Then Abishai, the son of Zariah, says to the king, and I'll tell you what he says in a moment, but who's Abishai and what's this title, sons of Zariah? Zariah was actually one of David's sisters. So Abishai and his brother Joab were two of David's three nephews from his sister Zariah. And these guys are pictured in Scripture as kind of like being hotheads. They were mighty men of valor. They loved justice, especially when they were on the giving end of it. And so David kind of calls them, you sons of Zariah. And it's not exactly a compliment. So there was something in the mix that David recognized when Abishai and Joab tried to get him to do things in the flesh where God was trying to temper David to respond in the spirit. So Abishai is not only David's nephew, he's also a trusted advisor and a loyal military man. So all of you combat men and women, y'all know that when you're in combat and you've seen a lot of war, you know, it doesn't want, make you want to put on your ballet tutu and dance through life. It, it, it does something on the inside, and, and there's something inside of a, a person who is a soldier that, that is ready for a fight when the cause is just. And so David's got one of those guys literally at his right hand. And so look at what he says, because he's going to remind David that David has the authority and the power to get even with Shimei. <laughs> I like this. Abishai just says to David, why should this, not just dog, dead dog, why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? In other words, by implication, king, this foul-mouthed, loud-mouthed nobody who's cursing you is no better than a dog, and I'd like to make him a dead dog because he has no authority and right to speak to you in this manner. I don't know why it works out this way, but most of the time when I've been on the, the painful end of a season of receiving slander, receiving, you know, it just goes with the territory if you're in any form of, of leadership. You just, you're a big target for people to misunderstand and misrepresent. And there's always somebody on your side. They really care about you and they really love you and they know what's coming against you. Maybe you're confiding in them. Maybe you're processing with them. 
And they'll be like, why don't you use some of that power God's given you and fight back and let's just drop the hammer on this situation. And I'm going to tell you, man, I, it hasn't always been able, uh, been easy to, to resist that. Because you're like, oh, God sent a messenger to me. Thank you, Lord, for this encouraging counsel. It must be of the Lord. But Abishai wasn't of the Lord, and the Lord didn't want Shimei to die. And it wasn't that God was endorsing what Shimei was doing. Slanderers and gossips and people that enter into defaming other people, they're never operating in the spirit. They're always operating in the flesh. And the worst case scenario is they're operating under the control of demonic influence because Satan himself is called the accuser. So when we're, when we're gossiping and slandering and defaming people, we're actually on Satan's team in that moment doing his work for him. So it wasn't that this stuff Shimei was doing was right, but David was operating in humility. David wasn't operating as the king. He was operating under the king. And he recognized that he was going to give an account for what happened here. So not only did David have encouragement to get even, and he had power, authority, position to get even, but he actually had the opportunity to get even. I mean, this was an actual decision David had to make. Uh, Abishai says, let me go over and take off his head. And Abishai wasn't kidding. Abishai could, I mean, Shimei is doing something that was treasonous, and Abishai is a, a very well-trained soldier, and he was, he was deeply offended, he was angry, maybe righteously indignant, because David, his loyal king, was being slandered. I don't know Abishai's heart, but I do know that he was more than willing to go over and make a mute out of Shimei by cutting off his head. And David had to weigh that. You know how tricky the heart is? The heart could say, David's heart could have said, well, technically my hands won't have any blood on them. Technically, it's not really me. Technically, this is on Abishai. If Abishai wants to go up there and do this work, I mean, I'm not going to endorse it, but I'm not going to get in his way either. And so David has this moment where he could passive, be passive-aggressive, and kind of by choosing not to decide, still make a choice. And so he's got this moment where uh, Shimei's pitiful wife is hanging on one word from David. And David, um, again, operates in humility. Friends, let me just park here for a moment. Uh, God is still saying, vengeance belongs unto me. God still reserves for himself the final, ultimate position of the one who balances the scales. And there are moments where we can cooperate with justice, and we should. There are moments where we're going to suffer injustice. We will. But there's never a moment where God calls us to independently of him, his spirit, his wisdom, his word, his ways, his works. He never says, just go do your thing. Go ahead and bring justice. Frankly, humans are often incapable of true justice because we tend to want to give, a, it, it would, you know, the eye for the eye, the tooth for the tooth. That sounds equal, but that's not the human nature. Because if you blacken my eye, I want to blacken both of yours. If you knock my front tooth out, I want to knock all of yours out. And that's just human nature. We don't really, we're not really satisfied with justice most of the time. We want vengeance, and vengeance wants to add a little. And so we're forbidden from doing that. 
And David is operating in this moment where he's got to decide what he's going to do. And so look at what we find out in verses 10 and 11. He ultimately proves that he's got no desire to get even with Shimei. You know, Shimei's using words. Abishai's wanting to cut off his head. And that's not justice. That is vengeance. And David is saying, I, I'm not going to act in a way to get even. He says in verse number 10, I mean, immediately, he recognizes Abishai's counsel as being foolish. He says to him, what do I have to do with you, you sons of Zariah? In other words, you dudes are always the same. You're hotheads. You're always up for a fight. I appreciate your loyalty, but that's not me. I don't have anything to do with that. I'm of a different spirit than that. That's kind of unpacking the nuances of what David's saying there. And he goes on. Now watch this. He, David does something where you and I need to, we have to get a theological grip on this. David sees the sovereignty of God in his own mistreatment. Look at what he says. He says, if Shimei is cursing because the Lord has said to him, curse David, who then shall say, why have you done so? This is good theology. One of the ways that we can enter into a place where we refuse to act in vengeance is, to by, is by recognizing God's sovereignty over human affairs. The reality is this, friends. God did not spare his only begotten son from injustice. It's part of living on planet Earth. And if every time we experience unjust treatment, harsh words, unfair interaction with people, when we are defamed or slandered or persecuted, if we believe that in the moment there has to be an execution of heaven's justice on somebody. If God doesn't do it, we'll take care of it of ourselves. We're, we're of the wrong spirit. Because here's the thing that David had realized. Though David was not guilty of what Shimei was saying, David was guilty of plenty of other things that weren't being called into question during his life. And so what David recognizes is, you know, God's sovereign. David's son would write, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and like the river of water, he turns it wherever he wants. That was one of Solomon's Proverbs. They understood that God was sovereign over people. That doesn't mean God endorses everything that people do, but it does mean this, where Joseph would say it this way to his brothers in the book of Genesis. You boys meant it for evil, but God used it for good. So even the things that come against us in the realm of injustice and pain and mistreatment and misrepresentation, David got something that we have to get, friends. We have to recognize that when something is coming against us at that level, find God in the middle of it. Find him. He's there. He's not there endorsing the unjust treatment coming your way. But why didn't he stop it? Why did he allow it? Why didn't he make it go away? Why? We have to find the goodness of God in the midst of the evil of man. It's a massive philosophical question, but ultimately it's found with a theological answer that our God is good and our God is sovereign. He rules upon his throne doing whatever he pleases. And that doesn't make him indifferent to our pain. It doesn't make him uh, some detached deity who doesn't care what we're feeling or experiencing. It's not that at all. 
Listen, Jesus bore sorrows in his body, bore grief in his body, bore the pain in his body. He knew betrayal, abandonment, rejection, slander, lies, mocking, mo a mockery of a court system that came against him to finally give the indictment that he was treasonous against Rome and he's a blasphemer against the Jewish religion. And so they nailed him on the tree. There's no greater injustice than that. So never make the mistake of thinking Jesus doesn't care or doesn't understand. He understands far more than we recognize. So here it is, David just says, I don't like what I'm hearing from Shimei, but God's in the midst, God's sovereign. Why am I going to protest when God himself, who can stop it, has determined that he's not going to in this moment? Verse 11, David keeps the big perspective, he big picture perspective. He understood priorities. He looks at the guys and he says, look, behold, as we would say, look, my own son seeks my life, David says. How much more now may this Benjaminite? David's saying, you want me upset at Shimei, who means nothing to me, when I'm wrestling with the bigger picture that my own son is, is taking my throne. How can this be applied to our lives? Well, there is a greater context going on at all times, a greater context than what is happening with you. I know we are prone to kind of make all of our understanding about life revolve around what's happening with us in any given minute, but the spiritual person takes a step back from himself or herself and recognizes there's way more going on here than the piercing that I'm feeling because of the mistreatment I'm enduring. And so we have to actually, sorry, beard alert there. We actually have to take a step back from our own personal grievance, pain, and mistreatment, we have to take a step back and we have to say, Lord, what are you doing here? I need greater understanding. And we have to give the best of our resources to the most important matters. Shimei was the most urgent matter, but not the most important matter. Shimei was there in the moment. It needed to be, Abishai's like, I want to handle this. I want to handle this now. Give me the word. I'll take off his head. David takes a step back and says, yeah, that's the thing that's in my face right now, but that's not what my heart is wrestling with. So David wants to keep his heart free of bitterness in this season where he's being crushed by people, crushed by circumstances. So he goes a little further and he, he makes his decision. He says to Abishai, who's begging for a chance to kill Shimei, he says, leave him alone. Leave him alone. Let him continue to curse me. And so strong was David's confidence in the sovereign plan of God, he says, the Lord has told him to curse me. It must be part of the plan that God is unfolding. That's pretty amazing. It's rare when somebody's going through intense suffering, suffering excruciating circumstances, is on the wrong end of mistreatment, where they can step back and give glory to God and say, God is on the throne. All of this is part of a bigger plan. That's the depth of David's intimacy with the Lord. By the way, David had that long before Shimei uttered his first foul word. David had that in the secret place with God. David got that weeks, months, decades before this moment. Why? Because David knew how to abide personally and intimately in the presence of God, in the secret place, in the quiet place, in worship, in contemplation, in adoration, in praise. David was not operating according to his flesh in the season because he had been humbled through past seasons 
of reaping what his flesh sowed. And he had now entered into a place where he says, I just want to be governed by the Spirit of God. And so what happens here is when the temptation for revenge and deeper bitterness comes, David says, nope, not in my heart. Not today. And so ultimately we find out in verse 12 that he recognized he had a God to defend him. He says, it may be, listen Abishai, leave Shimei alone because it may be that the Lord's going to be looking on the wrong being done to me. He knew it was wrong. And that the Lord will repay me with good for Shimei's cursing me today. That's awesome. David's like, oh wow, okay, so if man's going to take from me, that's going to leave a hole, and I'm going to trust God to fill up that hole that man cleared out for me to fill it up with something good from him. And so it's literally taking the pain, enduring the hardness as a good soldier, not becoming bitter, not living with offense, not living weeks, months, years, dare I say it, decades with offense gripping your heart because of something that was said or done to you. That's beneath the dignity of what it means to be a Jesus follower. And we don't have to live like that because that's one of the chains that Jesus came to snap. Peter would say it this way in 1 Peter 4.19. Those who suffer according to the will of God have entrusted their souls to a faithful creator while continuing to do good. That's Bible, man. That's just, I mean, it's if we suffer, what? According to God's will? Some people don't even believe that's possible. There's a, there's a thread of heresy today that says, no, if you're in God's will, there is no suffering. Tell that to Jesus. <laughs> Tell that to the apostles. Tell it to the martyrs, past, present, and future. Being in the will of God does not immunize us from some levels of suffering. Being in the will of God assures that we have the peace of knowing we're not suffering alone and we can continue to do good, and that's exactly what David does. So let me give you this, almost done. Here's what David discovers as a tested man. This is what we need to discover when we are being misunderstood, misrepresented, or mistreated. First of all, David is going to learn something here because he just made the slam dunk, awesome, wonderful response, uh, response to the temptation to get even. He said no. And so watch what happens in verse 13. So David and his men went on the road and never heard from Shimei again. God evaporated Shimei with a, 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 a bolt of lightning and a pillar of smoke. No, it doesn't say that at all. David went and his men went on down the road while Shimei went along with them on the hillside from a superior elevated position looking down on them. And he cursed as he went and he threw stones at him and flung dust. David did the right thing and things got worse. The enemy didn't shut up. The enemy didn't apologize. The bad guy did not say, oh, what was I thinking? Will you forgive me? David's humility looked to Shimei like weakness. And so Shimei, being an, uh, uh, an ambassador of uh, ill will, says, oh, he's not going to fight back. So he picks up hands full of stones and starts throwing them at David and all his people. And he's flinging dust. You can still see that in, in uh, that part of the world today when people are protesting and angry. They'll hurl rocks and they'll throw dust and it's just a sign of grievance and bitterness on the inside. They're angry about something. Shimei was angry about something. If you ever wondered where that phrase, throwing stones at somebody comes from, it's this. It's the origin of it. It's, it's, it's so 
uh, intrinsic in biblical narratives that whether it's stoning by law or shaming through stones, Shimei takes it upon himself to intensify and ramp up his aggression towards David, who was innocent. Let me tell you just very quickly about slinging dust. Um, you need to be real careful about that. Matter of fact, don't do it. Um, you sling dirt, you're just losing ground. You, you fling dust, you might be okay as long as the wind is blowing that way. But eventually the dust you sling when the, the winds of providence begin to blow against you, it all comes back right in your eyes and your mouth, and you end up eating the very thing you flung. Shimei would learn that, by the way. I don't have time to give you the end of his story, but it ain't good. David kept himself. And so I think verse 14 can help us get some perspective because some of you are in a season right now where you're, you're getting dust and rocks and words thrown at you. It's at work. Some of you are at work, and, and you are that person. Some of you, it's in your family, your, your extended family. You've sold out for Jesus and are pressing into Jesus, and your kids or your spouse or your ex-spouse or your in-laws or your parents, they're, they're not real happy about this, this pathway you're on pursuing the king. But watch this, because it says that Shimei was throwing all this stuff at the king and all the people who were with him. I would qualify it by saying, and all the people who were still with David. He had some coming against him, but he still had a lot in his corner. Um, I don't know if you're going to be able to travel through the rest of your days with your own personal celebration band, your own personal amen corner at everything you do, but I will say this, don't get into the victim mentality when a few that are aggressive and louder against you, don't fall into this dark place where you think everybody's against you. None of us in the room are important enough to have everybody against us. We're just not. Come on, let's be humble. We're just not that important. Um, doesn't mean we don't have some against us, but I'm going to tell you, if, if you will look and try, and I listen, I spent 10 years in clinical depression from age 14 to 24, medicating with drugs and alcohol, and I was, I was the most miserable person I knew. And I know what it's like to get in that dark place where you really do, do believe. There's no, David even wrote it in one of the Psalms, no man cares for my soul. You can get in that place, but it's never true. And David still had a lot of people with him, even though it seemed like there were a lot of people against him. And so all I want to say with that is we are family. I think that was a song, amen? We are family. And you may not be as close to 15 brothers and sisters, but man, if you want to get close, the Bible says that if, if the one who wants friends should show himself friendly. So put some effort out there and connect. Don't stand there and say, I want to connect. Somebody come connect with me. Get out there and connect, and you'll know that you've got somebody. I've got all these funny, like, sappy songs that we are family, and winter, spring, summer, or fall, all you got to do is call, and I, I better stop singing. My wife tells me, preachers, don't sing. We'll stick to that. My point being is this. Somebody will come running. you got a friend, but you've got to recognize that when you are in these seasons, and David looked around, he's like, man, i got one guy and probably a bunch of cowards standing behind him that are out for blood. But he looked around, he's got one dude willing to kill for him. And he's got a whole host of people that are identifying with David in his suffering, in his rejection, in his betrayal. I believe it is important to the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ 
when he is still continually rejected by the global culture, by mass portions of the world, and he sees you still standing by him, still walking with him, still taking the rocks and the dust that are flung our way from people who resent the fact that we're walking with a king, the king that they don't choose. And the Lord loves it when we are willing to stand by and bear the stigma with him. And it's no small thing. And so as we finished up the verses, let me just give you a couple of, well, let, let, me, let me get this last part in. They get down and they get away from Shimei. Eventually Shimei's voice fades. Real quick here. Nobody historically remembers the critics. Critics are a dime a dozen. Don't live your life as a critic. What a pitiful, pathetic existence. Somebody that stands from an elevated point of view that they crawled up on, got there themselves, and looked down at everybody else and throws stones, hurls insults, critiques, criticizes. Some of you are in uh, a ministry. Some of you are missionaries. You're going to be raising support, going overseas. And you're going to have a lot of critics because they think you're wasting your life. Especially when you're gifted and you could do a whole host of things in a marketplace culture that would earn you a lot of money, give you a lot of influence, make your name great. But the Holy Spirit captivated your heart at some point and said, actually, I've got something far better for you but you're gonna have to walk away from all this stuff. You're gonna have to say yes to the pulse I'm placing in your spirit. And when you do that, you're gonna step into your purpose. And for some of you, it's missions. For others of you, it's a evangelistic ministry. For others of you, it's hosting people in your homes. And the list can go on and on, but you got this calling. And people that are critics will look at it and they'll shoot their verbal arrows at God's plan over your life. And what I wanna tell you is this. Scripture says here at the end that David and his companions traveled and they arrived weary. I'm so glad that's in my Bible because that helps me say, then I can do this. Because if, if, if the Bible says, and David wasn't affected a bit by what was going on against him, I'd be like, that's not me. I, I get affected by that. We get hurt. We get tired. We, we get spiritually agitated at trying to justify ourselves to people that don't believe in us or to misrepresent us. There is that impulse to defend ourselves, and when the Lord won't let us defend ourselves, and the situation gets worse and more dust comes our way and more rocks come our way, that moment where we said, yes, I won't defend myself, it stretches out into weeks or months or years, it can weary your bones, man. But the Bible doesn't just say that they arrived weary. It says David refreshed himself. So they finally arrive out of all that dust. You know he's covered with dust and maybe even scrapes and stuff from the, the journey. They get to the Jordan River. And David's probably at a place where he's like, man, I need some encouragement. I need to get into the presence of the Lord. Maybe he actually dips himself down into the waters of the Jordan to wash off all of the residue from what he just went through. But it's a moment where David says, I've got to find my encouragement. And it's not in Abishai's revenge. And it's not in Shimei's defamation. 
Where am I going to get encouraged? I, I just need to encourage myself. Similar thing had happened to David before when he was at Ziklag. And the enemies had come in and burned down the city and taken all the wives and all of David's uh, uh, partners turned on him and wanted to kill him because they looked to his leadership and they said, you failed us. And the Bible just says David took a step back and went and encouraged himself in the Lord. When all of this stuff starts coming our way, friends, part of the bigger picture of the plan of God and allowing it to happen is he wants you to know how much you need him. And in those moments, there are other people that can console you, but they can't comfort you. And there's a difference. Comfort abides in the soul. And when every mouth may be turned against you for a small season and there's nobody speaking truth and health and hope into your life and nobody's harmonizing with what you hear the Lord saying, sometimes you just got to say, I need to stop listening to all the noise, even from people that, that are on my side. I just need to hear what you have to say, Father. I just need to know what you're speaking into the season of decrease. I need to know what you want me to know as you have sovereignly allowed this kind of thing to happen to me, all I really want to do is encourage myself and you. So can you tune out the other stuff and can you open me up to what you're speaking right now? Because I know if I can hear you, I'll get refreshed. That's life lesson number one from David today. You all have personal shimmy eyes, either in your past, maybe in your present, not to ruin your Sunday, but you've probably got some out there in your future. They're just waiting for you to show up. Their bitterness is getting stored up in their hearts. They're taking it to level five, and they're just waiting for the right moment to take the top off of their volcano and let the lava come forth on you. What are you going to do? Are you going to be Abishai, seek revenge? Are you going to be Shimei, who just nursed his bitterness until he couldn't contain it anymore? Are you going to be like David? who in humility turned to the Lord while not denying his pain and his trouble, turned to the Lord and said, I'm ready to be refreshed. That's the example that he leaves us with. Let's stand together. I'm going to do something. I just don't do this at 9 a.m. very much, but can you just bow your head and close your eyes? If you've got a present-day Shimei in your life or you've got bitterness towards a past Shimei, I want you to lift your hand in acknowledgement. Just hold it up for a minute. Nobody else is peeking, so it's okay. It's all right. I'm surprised there aren't more. I really am. I'm grateful, but I'm surprised. May the spirit of the greater David find you right now. May Jesus' spirit find you right now. When he was reviled, he didn't revile back. Holy Spirit, impart that right now. Gentleness, kindness, humility, forgiveness. Come Holy Spirit. Bring refreshing Holy Spirit. Bring refreshing. Bring real encouragement. Holy Spirit, I'm not asking you to pat him on the head. I'm asking you to, to touch him in the heart. Now, right there where you're standing, release your shimei. Do it. Release them, all of it. Everything they did, everything they said, you have to release them. Release them right now. 
as those who have been forgiven by Christ, forgive everyone, everything, you'll be free. Do it. You can. Do it right now. Do it. There's nothing to fear in freeing your offender. The Lord will repay you good when you surrender them. Father, in the name of Jesus, put life on all that's been said. Help us to operate in your humility, Lord Jesus. Help us to love our enemy. In your name, amen.